deceptive manipulative. He's also a former social worker and a political campaign activist. Some people in town say the base is run by aliens working with our federal government to conduct mind control and genetic experiments. I'm leaving. I'm glad. Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass. Hello. How's everyone doing? This is the Eerie Americas. This is one of your hosts, Vicky Ayala. And this is one of your other hosts, Christy Hall. <laughs> Actually, you're on the other one. What's up, guys? This day has been a little insane. So We I'm... made it, though. We're here. We're in front of the mic doing what we gotta do. Barely. I discovered today that as much as I want to act like I can be one of those people that can live without a phone, I did not make it a couple of hours. My phone has been glitching, and I know it's Apple's conspiracy to try to get me to upgrade my phone, and I refuse. But my phone completely just died and froze that way. And I went from 9.30 this morning until, what, 5 o'clock this evening with no phone. And I wasn't even upset about the no social media part, but like I couldn't contact I couldn't contact Christy to tell her what time I was coming by to record I couldn't contact my mom and I help her out on Fridays sometimes and I had to go to her house and the funny story is that in order for me to get there I'm like mom you have to call my uber my phone is frozen she calls my uber I get out and I realize that I forgot something so I had to go to the store I walk in and my mom's like frantic and she's like where have you been? The Uber dropped you off at 11.06. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I had to go to the store. She's like, yeah, and I can't reach you to find where you are. I'm like, oh my God, I'm okay. Like, relax, woman. But like, that's what happens when you don't have a phone to contact someone. And then I come here and Chrissy's like, she's like, well, now that you're okay, you've really freaked me out. No, <laughs> I. It, it's so funny because I know that it's either, either this podcast is getting to me or just my general paranoia is getting to me. But at nine o'clock, I texted her because like we text all day, you know, especially on recording day, we're kind of talking about a couple things. And we're in a group chat. She's not responding. I'm on the side, like talking to her individually. She's not responding. So finally, at like 11 o'clock, I'm like, okay, I know she's been up for like at least five hours now because she's you're like an early morning person, Mm -hmm. right? So you're up forever. And I'm like, barely functioning at 9am but I know she'll check her phone at this hour so I start chat like I checked with two separate friends and I'm like hey have you heard from Vicky like in my mind I'm being like this is the beginning of a dateline episode like see I feel like Vicky? you and my mom the <laughs> podcast must be getting to because I'm pretty sure my mom was ready to call the uber driver and accuse him of kidnapping me you're freaking out meanwhile our friends are like I'm sure she's fine <laughs> yeah so one of my friends was like the last text she sent me was 8.51 a.m. So I was already getting into like investigative mode. Like, okay, 8.51. <laughs> the last, last time heard. someone spoke to Vicky Ayala's last heard by 8.51 <laughs> as far as I know. Like, I'm literally like ready. And then my friend's like, calm down. I'm sure she's okay. I'm like, yeah, it's true. I see Vicky and she's like, yeah, I emailed you. And I'm like, oh, right, email. Like, I forgot to <laughs> I check. I have no other way to really and contact I'm so, you. And it's so bad because other than at work, I check my work email. I don't think about checking my other email and I should. But between checking our podcast email and my work email, you know what, I'm like, I, sh- you know what I should have done? I should have emailed the podcast email. Yeah, next time. Always. I was so frazzled I always, to do that I should have just emailed Let's get this the out of the way. Email. Always email me at the Eerie, Eerie Americas, Americas at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. I will always check it 
there. If you are going missing, if you are datelined, if something's happening, if your phone stopped working randomly like Vicky's, anything, you email me on there, I will see that first. Don't email my but personal email. But that just shows email. the dedication to the podcast because I feel like I have our podcast email, I have my personal email, we have our podcast Instagram, and I have my personal Instagram. <laughs> and sometimes I'm checking through something and I'm like, wait, this isn't my personal thing. That's why my stuff is not popping up. I didn't die. And so I'm happy. I have Sorry my... for freaking everyone out, but... I'm, she's I, okay, everyone. Don't I'm worry. okay. And it also goes to show because I did have, when I turned on my phone, I had hundreds of text <laughs> messages. And most of them are like, where the hell are you? Because... I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I'm kind of known for always answering. No, everyone was like, Vicky is always on her phone. I am always. always. And, I, and not like, you know, I'm going to ignore you kind of way, but in the, I always answer yes. you. So if anything's ever wrong, I don't really, t- it's very weird. Let's and- put it this way. I would send her a message on her phone in the same room because she's more than likely looking at her phone in that room than looking up at me if I have to like try to get, give her Probably. a message from across the room. Like if we were at a house party and I needed to give her a message, I would just text her. My boyfriend because- and I text in the same house. I will, we'll both be like looking at memes and we'll be sending it to each other, watching each other laugh. And sometimes I'll respond and I'll be like, LOL. And he's like, you're not So laughing. this goes to show you why everyone was panicking because it's like, no, Vicky's always I'm sorry. on her phone. I'm so, sorry. I do want to be you're on alive. my phone That's all. Less. You're alive. You're, it was your phone fucking up. And we do believe that Apple does this. Because, well, they're being sued for it. And I paid my phone off recently and it's happening to me too. So yes, Apple, we fucking know Cut you're your doing shit. it. I don't want to upgrade. I am not getting a phone with no home button. I'm staying with my 8 Plus. And I don't want to sue you. I don't. So I I use your stuff. I like your stuff like like the rest of the world. You know what's weird, though? And I was telling my sister, it has to be something with phone companies because I have a Mac. And let me tell you, those shits are, like, indestructible. I'll never get a virus. My shit will last for years. But my phone, once a couple of generations of phones come out, all of a sudden you want me to upgrade. It's like if your laptop can make it through all the shit I've put the laptop through, Mm -hmm. your phone can make it through it too. So stop it. I'm not upgrading. Never. But but also I'm going to... A PS, you know, PSA to my friends. I'm going to try to be on the phone less and be more in the moment, guys. So <laughs> That's what we all say. We'll see. Yeah, I didn't survive. I was freaking out, so I don't think I could be one of those people who's not on their phone. But you know what? If you ever need anything and you call me, I always pick up. I always answer my texts. So in an emergency, I'm the best person. Yep. To contact. But that's why our emergency contact was not answering. So if there was an emergency <laughs> and she's the emergency person, this is a double emergency. So that's what this was. So I'm really glad you're okay. That's the point. And I'm glad you got your phone fixed because that's a bitch to get all that. But he let me know there is an update coming. So hopefully the phone will stop its stupid glitching shit. And speaking of update, last episode, Vicky did a awesome two-parter from an email we received from Robin in Brooklyn and we decided yes. to break it up because it was really, really cool. We liked it. And because that's how she wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted to keep us in suspense. We are just as much in suspense as you guys. If you are wondering what this is about, please go check out our previous episode, which was the murder of oh, room 1046. That's the previous episode. We called that one Love Forever Lucille. So if you want to check out the first part, you have to listen to Love Forever Lucille, which was our episode last week. But this is the second part of Robin's story. One day, my husband and I were home alone. My husband is not a believer. He is definitely not sensitive to any of this. But one day, he finally became a believer. We were home alone. The baby wasn't with us. And we heard a whisper say, Mommy. He asked, did you hear that? Of course, I did. I was shocked when he finally heard it and admitted it. That wouldn't be the last time he heard it either. We had so many experiences in the house that I wanted to find out what had happened. 
It turns out in the popular neighborhood of Gravesend, as it is known now, was desolate back in the day. Something happened and the house wound up catching on fire, killing a woman. Because the house was in the middle of nowhere, no one found out right away. And the the woman's son ended up passing away. It makes sense since it always seems like he was just looking for a mommy. It does make sense because, like, he attaches to her specifically. And it does seem like he was looking for his mom so when i asked her about it she's i guess he didn't die at the same time he must have died after just because nobody found them which is super sad Mm -hmm. but i'm like that's probably why he latched onto you you're a mom he sees your kids and he finally probably thinks he found his mommy but i remember when she told me about that because you know there's always different interpretations of stuff and like one person hears it but if someone who isn't a believer at all admits that they heard it then that's comes like a whole different and she told me she's like her kids have heard it People would come over and heard it. Um, I got this. This is a friend of my coworker, and she said that she's experienced it also. So this is like a he's just there in the house with her. So she's had the of- opportunity too, like to you know she's spoken to mediums and stuff who have given her advice on how to you know get rid of him, and she's like, but I don't want to. And yeah, she, as long as there. as long as he doesn't affect her day to day negatively, then I think that's kind of cool that she kind of accepts she has this like yeah she has like this son. other kid she buys him gifts for Christmas. she buys him a ball every Christmas and it seems very normal because that's kind of what my mother experienced. I right. mentioned it in a previous episode of my mother's story uh, when we lived in a neighborhood close to there, so maybe that neighborhood has something I, yeah, going on. She said that, like, when she did the research, it was just nothing there, which makes sense because if you look at pictures of old Brooklyn, a lot of it was just, like... It used to be farmland. It used to all be farmland. It was all farmland. Definitely Gravesend was all farmland. Fun. So she was like, I guess this person just lived in the middle of nowhere. Something happened. And unfortunately, that's what it is. It's just crazy to think that way because if you know... And it's nuts he's been there since. If you know anything about Brooklyn, it is super overcrowded. And this neighborhood is really, really popular. And I don't live that far from there, so I can tell you it, it, there's a lot of people there. So it's crazy to think of it as desolate. Thank you so much, Thanks, Robin. Robin. That was great. Thank you. And Vicky now is going to go into a really dope story that I'm looking forward to. Vic? Ever since we started this podcast, I've kind of wanted to do this. I just had to find the right moment. It's something that has always intrigued me, and it is uh, stories of mass disappearances. Yes. There's a, I'm going to do one popular one and then, I mean, they're all kind of known, but I'm going to do one that everybody knows and then go into some other ones. Awesome. Throughout history, there have been cases of people who vanish into thin air, disappearing forever without a trace, without an explanation, without a resolution. And I think that that in itself is creepy enough, but there's something a lot more creepy when more than one person goes missing. And did just large groups of people just abruptly vanishing into thin air. To me, that's insane. I didn't really know much about this until I started researching. I thought I had only heard of one case, which, of course, everybody knows the Lost Colony of Roanoke. American Horror Story did a season on it. A lot of people have heard about it. That was the only one I knew. And once I started researching, I found out that there have been several cases in history, all different types of just these mass disappearances. So we're going to take a look at a couple of them. I am going to start with the Lost Colony of Roanoke, one that is pretty popular. If you don't know it, then great. It's pretty much the biggest mystery in the history of mass disappearances that, you know, most people have heard of. It's the Lost Colony of Roanoke, which is now North Carolina. And it's the story of where 150, I think it's 115, 220, I've seen both numbers. 115, 220 colonists just seemingly vanished without a trace. 
It was one of America's first colonies. It had been established in the summer of 1585, but due to lack of supplies and bad interactions with local natives, of course, because you guys tried to colonize something that already existed, mm-hmm. a lot of the crew actually ended up returning to England, but they did leave a small group of people there. That's actually the first time this happens because this whole mass disappearance thing happened more than once. In 1587, there's a second voyage to Roanoke, and all of the men from the first detachment are no longer there. So this voyage is led by a man named John White, who gets elected governor. I don't know by who. Wait, are they no longer there because they disappeared, or were they no longer there because they didn't want to go back? They disappeared. Because they had left that detachment there, I guess, to try to start the colony. And when John White gets there in 1857, thinking he's going to find some people, he finds, like, one skeleton that might be remains. Again, they had conflict with the local Native Americans. They didn't really know the land. So, I mean, it's possible that they just didn't A lot of people had to sacrifice themselves in order to um, colonize here. So it makes sense. So John White gets here, second voyage... They decide, you know, to stay here and try to start this colony up again because that was the whole point. They wanted to colonize here. And shortly after John White gets here, his uh, he comes here with his wife and daughter. His daughter gives birth and his granddaughter ends up being the first English, well, the first person from England born in America because her mother is English. So she ends up being the first American. Guess, American. What we define as American. Yep, the first what we define as American. He again starts up the colony, but they run out of supplies eventually. Can't know everything that you need. They don't know the land. So he ends up having to go back to England to get assistance from the government to get supplies and get everything to help the colony. Unfortunately, due to a war in Europe, it takes him three years to get back. So he doesn't get back until like 1590. When he gets back, he's shocked to see that none of the 90 men, 17 women, and 11 children, including his own wife, daughter, and granddaughter, are here. There's no sign of a struggle, no sign of anyone, no indication where they went. The only clues that they had were the letters C-R-O carved into a tree and the word Croatoan carved into a fence post. There is also some, uh, when I was doing the research, I found that there's these supposed, this piece of evidence left behind by his daughter. Her name was Eleanor Dare. She supposedly left behind these stones that are called the Dare Stones. And she apparently was trying to leave messages to her father, leaving him the stories of what happened with them and like little personal anecdotes. Most people think it's a hoax, but a lot of people have said that at least one of those stones is true. But due to that and the word Croatoan, he was led to believe that they might have left to go live with the Croatoan tribe that lives south of Roanoke. So he tries to go find them, but a huge storm comes their way and he's unable to even look for them, basically. So they have no contact with the Croatoan tribe. The Croatoan tribe has no contact with them and they just don't know where their family is. So this has been a big topic of research. There's actually a group called the Croatoan Project that has gone and researched and done archaeological digs in the area of Croatoan, like where the Croatoan tribe was. And there has been some evidence that the people were at least there. We don't know if they settled there, but there's just certain like artifacts that only English settlers will understand what it is that were found in the Croatoan village. But there's no like... didn't really say how they got there, how many got there, and that they settled there. They just had proof that they were there and that there was some sort of interaction. Or so, it's quite possible that they found the remnants of that stuff and, and just, just brought, brought it, it with south. them. They could have also stolen it. They could have killed everybody there. So there's Or they no... could have come across an empty place with supplies. Right. Who knows? So there's a lot of theories, of course. People think all types of things. 
But being that there's no actual proof that that's what happened, it's still kind of in limbo and nobody really knows what happened to the lost colony of Roanoke. And I find that interesting because, you know, it's all about adaptability to like, they didn't know the land and stuff like that. And I get that, but I feel like people always reproduce. And I feel like they, them going over to a Croatoan village does not explain why none of them were left anywhere. So or they went to the found. village and did what? Or never And found. nobody ever thought, let's go back and see if they came back and there's no communication. Nobody left a clue behind. Like the stones, we don't know if those stones are true. Those could have been made up, but you would think that someone would leave or at least leave a person behind. Like, did you think he was your husband was never coming? Like, his family at least could have stayed. Or maybe she left. She was leaving Croatoan on the tree to let them know that they were responsible for the deaths. Right. So that's the lost colony of Roanoke. These, I mean, these stories are going to be real short because you know lots of these things happened uh, before there was a whole lot of googling going around. Makes sense. But that story has always intrigued me because I just Very think it's crazy for an entire colony to go missing and never to be found again. That's what if there was some mixed. Croato and English babies somewhere that were there would be some evidence that That's they survived. That's what I'm saying. Like if they moved to go, if they okay, I have no resources. I don't know this land. Okay, let me go live with the tribe. But then where is everybody? Right. You telling me that I went to go live with the tribe. You found all my stuff there, and no, like did they kill me when I got there? Right, and that doesn't sound very. If Native Americans accepted a colony, they wouldn't go and slaughter them. That's not the Native American way that we were told how it went down eventually. Of course, they made it seem like of course that's how it was at first, but that wasn't the case. So naturally, it doesn't make sense for them to invite them into a tribe to go slaughter them. Why wouldn't they just slaughter them there at Roanoke? doesn't make any sense. That's why I'm, I'm a little, okay, you found some stuff there. That doesn't mean that they settled there. They could have gone and, like you said, they could have gone there, seen a bunch of shit and been like, all right, mine and left. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for a lot of these theories that people are looking at. I always think that things Listen, aren't what they seem. Anything is a possibility. Every single time we think we have an answer, there's some more There's more things that lead to more questions. So you can yeah, never they, definitively say anything. I mean, people can anything. figure out shit from thousands of years ago. If they're telling me that they found artifacts there but still can't confirm they settled there, there's a reason that they're saying that. So yep, I think there's more to this story. Unfortunately, I don't know what that more to the story is. But this isn't the only time that an entire town has gone missing right. i found another one in northern canada canada eh? yeah so one of the most talked about cases of mass vanishing also comes out of northern canada it's a part of the country that had a really harsh environment it was relentlessly icy relentlessly cold but there was an inuit village that was perched upon the area was called lake Anjikuni. so sorry if i said that wrong And the settlement was actually pretty prosperous. They were a fishing village. They had a population of 1,200 to 2,500 people. They knew how to make a living out there. They were like Eskimos. They they knew how to work with the cold and the ice, and they did what they were good at. They fished. So there was a fur trader by the name of John LaBelle who used to visit them pretty often, I guess, on his fur trades. And he always got a really warm welcome when he went. They always traded supplies with him. If he needed something, fed him, like just, you know, just generally good people. Right. So he goes there in November of 1930 after another journey of his. And he thinks like, hey, I'm going to go there. He actually, I found in research that he actually went out of his way to visit them since they were always so warm to him. That's so nice. But he gets there and he's from the minute he gets there, he's already kind of like, this is weird because it's silent and nobody came to greet him, which is not normally the case when he gets there. So once he sees that nobody's there to welcome him, he finds it kind of odd. And then he's like overcome. Anybody who lives in a bustling city knows if you suddenly came to Brooklyn and it was deathly silent, you are going to be overcome by the silence. Yep. 
he said that it just didn't make sense. This was a bustling fishing village. There was a lot of people there, and they they worked. They, they worked, and they lived their lives there. That would not so, feel right at all. Exactly. So as he stood there in the cold, he's just, like, listening to the wind, and he's not hearing anything, and he starts calling out. Nobody's answering him. All he hears is howling wind. No other sound. No other person. So he starts making his way into the village, only to make some more discoveries. While walking through the village, he passed a a group of emaciated sled dogs tied to a tree, dead in the snow, frozen solid, and half buried in snow drift, seeming to have starved to death. What? I know, that made me super sad. He took, he then decided to take a peek into some of the shacks in which the villagers lived in, thinking, you know, at least if you see everybody, somebody take all their stuff, you'll know they left. Right. No, he saw personal items. He saw weapons, rifles. There were meals on tables, pots that had been left cooking over fires. Most of them were out. Some of them still had some embers, but the food was moldy, so it had been there for a while. He actually, in one hut, found, you know, people use, especially in fishing villages, they use whatever they can as materials to wear, especially to keep warm. So they used to use seal skin. And he found a sealskin clothing for a child that was being mended, the needle and thread still in it as if somebody had simply set it aside for later. Then he looks on the shore of the lake. There are three kayaks, including the village headman. You would think that if something were to happen, people were to leave the village headman would not be there at least. Um, no, all three of the kayaks had there and they had been there so long. And you could tell because the waves had like torn them up. They were all torn up to shreds. So they must have been there for a long time. And he said that basically everything seemed undisturbed. There was no signs of a struggle or anything out of the ordinary, except for the fact that there was nobody there. Their things were left where they should have been. Rifles were up where they should have been. Everything was where it should have been. So it just looks like everyone's living their life except no one's there. Except nobody's there. He said he felt like someone would be coming back any minute, like they ran out and would be coming back, but nobody was coming back. Every single inhabitant of that village had just vanished. So he makes his way back to civilization and immediately reports the situation to the RCMP, which is the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. It is. Who have the best uniforms ever. And a really cool name. Admit it. Yes, they do. Dope ass name. They actually launch an investigation into the matter. They themselves go looking and they also find an abandoned village. They find the huts. They find the shacks had been undisturbed. They find provisions and weapons left exactly where they should have been. They find the dogs. They even go to, I guess, like a storage place where you know that you store your fish. You store your supplies completely full. Everything's frozen. Still there. The weird thing that they find, though, as they're doing their investigation is They found these graves that had been emptied, but nothing had been filled back in and they couldn't find the contents of the graves. What? So like not a body, not anything. No, whatever was in those graves was not there. Even the bones were gone. Nothing there. What the fuck? So and then there were no signs or tracks of footprints in the snow, no indication of like a direction where someone would have walked away. Nothing as if nobody had stepped in there. And it was also later, actually, in their investigation, they, you know, start interviewing other people. And other nearby villages reported to police that there had been numerous sightings of strange lights in the skies over the abandoned village in the days leading up to LaBelle's discovery. And this tale of the vanishing Inuit village has actually achieved, like, a legendary status in mass disappearances. But as time has gone on and with little information to go on, there's 
no answers to where anybody in this village went. And unlike the town of Roanoke, they didn't have another suggestion as to where they went. And it seems unlikely that they would have gone anywhere due to lack of supplies or anything. They were a fishing village. They knew what they were doing. It's not like they're like, hey, we're running out of supplies. Let's get out of here. You don't walk away with pots and pans still on thinking that you're going to come back. I mean, it's very cold there. And you don't walk away without your, especially your child does not going to walk away without their coat. Where are you going without a kayak? They live in water. You have to get there somehow. It literally sounds like... Their sled dogs are still there. It doesn't sound like they disappeared. It sounds like they were taken up. That's kind of my opinion. Which is one of the theories that I found is Mm -hmm. that they were taken home. Mm -hmm. So that one I found... I included it because although it's a colony just like Roanoke, I feel like Roanoke has a little bit of maybe an explanation. You know, they ran out of supplies. They went to a tribe. Could have met their demise. This has no explanation. Where would they have been going? They were probably the only ones that could have survived in this environment. Wow. And there's no signs of anything. At least if there was some sort of struggle or someone had come and tried to take over the village, their guns wouldn't still be hanging where they were supposed to be. And my thing, too, is, like, why kill the dogs? Right. That's another thing, But they look like they starved to death, too. So it's like... If they, those people take care and of how, their animals. And do we have any idea of how long that no one had checked this village before LaBelle showed up? No, but the way that they described it, it had to have been a while because they specifically said that the dogs were emaciated and seemed like they starved to death, which would take a long time. And they said that when it came terms to the food that was still there, it was moldy at that point and right. it's freezing there. So it takes longer for it to mold, I would think. Right. So if it's moldy, it has to have been a while. And fire can burn for a pretty long time. Mostly, they said that there were some embers still there, but for the most part, they're fine. I just find out. it interesting because if there's mold and starving dogs, that insinuates that no one had come to check up on right. this town Nobody for some time. Or things just got that bad that quickly somehow. And it also kind of shows that they all had to have left at the same time, right? Because if people were behind, it would have been some sort of evidence that some people left for, like, it seems everybody had to have vanished at the same time. Right. It doesn't. And make... for them to not feed their sled dogs, like, you take good care of your sled dogs. You need them to be. They get you around. It's like not taking and care of your car at them that point. being tied to the tree makes it seem like they tied them and they intended to come get them later. Like, everything seems like they were in the middle of doing whatever they were doing. Their daily And then life. they just disappeared and the lights are a very interesting thing too because that's always what you hear about is like a a large sequence of lights or a lot of lights before really weird things go down so exactly and this is not coming and this is coming from random villagers somewhere else that couldn't have possibly known because they didn't check so for them to say that and i'm sure they didn't know when this happened so they probably were like hey i saw these lights at this time and they're like well that had that was right before he discovered it there was no reason for anybody to make that up no way they could have known that was and it's coming from more than one so that to me seemed very strange I don't have an explanation. And you know what's really interesting about mass disappearances is there's the, there have been several shows that have done this kind of concept and things like that. No one has ever come back. And right. I find that really interesting. We're never going to know unless someone comes back from right. that place in that time and said, this is what happened. How can we know if there's no evidence, no footprints, no human explanation, no logical scientific explanation, no genetic passing of, Say, of nobody blood traces or their traces lineage of, of lineage these people. where you can figure out where this happened. So it's really fascinating that... Just like a civilization just went missing. And several at that. This is just one of several cases. Of course, everyone knows about the the ancient Mayans and people yep. believe that they figured out the key it how to unlock. I and... honestly found something in every country, every continent, everywhere. Everywhere had some sort of like mass disappearance. And by mass, we don't necessarily mean it has to be a town or a civilization. There were some mass disappearances where it was just like an entire family. But you know... 
That is it's, a mass disappearance. It's, it's a mass because more than one person going missing is it's a mass disappearance. Like it's crazy to think that just everybody at the same time just missing. Which goes into my next one that happens in Brazil. This one I really didn't even find that much research on, but it's a strange account and it's the Oer Verde in Brazil. And it even, you know, every research that I found said that not much is known about the town or the people that lived in it. Some people even think that it never existed because they can't find anything on these people. Wow, that's hardcore. Yeah. Like I found like a, not a Reddit, but like another forum and they were like, oh, you, you only see like people talking about it from here and here. You don't even find anything because there's nothing to write on them. There isn't. They went missing. There's nothing to write on them. Right. So in February of 1923, there was a group of people that visited a small settlement. Now, the Oer Verde had around 600 people that lived there. So this small group of people went to go visit the settlement of around 600 people and were amazed to discover that there was not a soul to be found anywhere in the town. Homes and other buildings had been abandoned in a rush with personal belongings and food being left behind. And that is always a sign that people do not mean to leave because I'm not leaving my food. No way. I would eat it first, but like you don't just leave food cooking. But they left food behind. And the people said that there were not even birds or insects that could be found making noises, which that is crazy because then now you're telling me animals are going missing too. Like just every form of life just missing. Authorities launched an investigation but found no sign of where any of the residents have gone. The only clues left behind were a single gun that had recently been fired and a message scribbled on a blackboard of the village school that stated, there is no salvation. There have been theories of what happened to the 600 inhabitants of the settlement from being forced to evacuate due to attacks from guerrillas or drug dealers to the more far out idea that they were all abducted by aliens but there is very little evidence to make any concrete conclusions. And Brazil's vanishing village, it continues to baffle everyone. But a lot of people seem to think it was political. Huh. There's a lot of, you know, guerrilla But warfare. how do you get 600 people as a government away with no one noticing? I don't know. They think that the, you know, the guerrillas made the residents leave the area. Um, and being that they wouldn't have wanted to be caught in the crossfire, maybe they just up and left. And maybe that's why there's only one single gunshot. Who knows? But it's just See, a that's hard for me to, to accept. You're going to tell me 600 people, one person fired a gun. Right. That's why I'm like the one. single gunshot. No way. Does it make sense? And what makes no sense to me is fine. I don't want to get caught in guerrilla warfare. You tell me to leave. I'm going to leave. But I'm probably going to leave with clothing or food. I'm going to at least carry the clothes on my back. And at right. least, you know, like that doesn't make any sense to me. So even if they made you flee, you have to have brought something with you. You don't just flee naked. This doesn't sound like a government thing to me. Sorry, I, I can't. And I'm buy sorry, it. but we've learned a lot about guerrilla warfare, especially being Latinas, and they usually leave evidence behind. I'm telling you, they, just, they would just kill the whole village. They wouldn't be like, "Hey, can you please?" Leave? And they wouldn't leave a cryptic message saying there is no salvation. That's very dramatic. You only see that on it's television. Super, exactly, it's, it's super dramatic. Really and honestly, if I was forced to leave in such a rush where I didn't even take my clothes or food, I don't have time to go to the school and write there is no salvation on the board. So I don't don't know. Like this one and the last one, there's. At least, like I said, with Roanoke, there's some possible explanations, some plausible thing. These last two just don't make any fucking sense. But I also, you know, looking into this, I was like, well, I wonder what other types of mass disappearances are. I'm sure it's just not colonies. And they're not. Colonies are not the only things that have been uh, 
casualty. The sea is also a common setting for mass disappearances. Oh, indeed it is. With so much empty water, it's pretty easy for people to vanish without anyone around to witness their disappearance. And this is especially true for ships sailing near the notorious Bermuda Triangle. Now, I'm going to actually probably do a whole episode on it because it is so fascinating. But for those of you who don't know what the Bermuda Triangle is, I'll tell you very quickly. Which, by the way, have you been living under a rock? But right, anyway. like you really should know what it is, but just, just in, in case, case you don't, it's also known as the Devil's Triangle or Hurricane Alley, but I've never heard anybody call it that, so I don't know why I keep saying that, but it's the Bermuda Triangle. It's just a section of the Atlantic Ocean. It's bordered by Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. I saw here that I found this in my research. I don't know how true it is, but I just thought it was kind of funny. So I'm putting it in here. <laughs> um, when Christopher Columbus sailed through the area on his first voyage to the New World to go discover lands that people already lived in, he reported that a great flame of fire, which was probably a meteor, crashed into the sea one night and that a strange light appeared in the distance a few weeks later. And then he wrote about compass readings as if it like affected the way that True North was pointed. Interesting. But the Bermuda Triangle is known for being a location where a large number of ships and planes have disappeared and there's unexplained circumstances surrounded around these incidents i do actually this is not the story i'm getting into but i know which one they're talking about but there is a famous story of these u.s navy bombers who became disoriented while flying over it and the plane was never found and other boats and planes have vanished in good weather without ever even letting out a distress signal so it, this is what the area is known for and one such ship was the carol a deering it was a commercial ship it was captained by william h merritt and on the Deering's final voyage, Merritt actually became ill and was replaced by Willis B. Warmwell. The ship was set to sail from Boston to Buenos Aires and then to Rio de Janeiro. In December of 1920, the Deering stopped for supplies in Barbados and remained there until January 9th. And this was the last time the ship would ever dock. Several weeks later, on January 28th, another ship was hailed by the Deering. A man described as having a foreign accent, so, you know, guessing that they're somewhere in the middle of their trip stated that the ship had lost its anchors. Witnesses noticed that the crew seemed to be milling around the deck aimlessly. And that is important because one of the things you hear about the Bermuda Triangle is that it seems to disorient people. It seems to make compasses not make sense. It seems mm -hmm. to throw directions off. So it seems to make the crew here just walk around aimlessly. Three days later, the Deering went into this part uh, called the Diamond Shoals. I think that was part of, Berm that's part of Bermuda. I'm not sure. I have to look that up, but it's right. called the Diamond Shoals. But it had all of its sails up. So I'm not a boating expert, but I'm pretty sure you intend on continuing to sail if all your sails are up. But because of the rough weather, it was several days before the wreck could be investigated. When authorities finally were able to board the ship, they found no trace of the crew. They noted that the ship's steering equipment was damaged and that the logbook and navigation equipment was missing. What? Which makes no sense if what? you're trying to sail. Additionally, the personal items of some of the crew members and two lifeboats were also missing. Just two. And only some of the personal items. And I believe that there was 13 people on the ship. So trip. two people tried to escape, yes. basically. The most intriguing part is that several other ships seem to have gone missing in roughly the same area. Most of these ships, though, later turned up in other areas without explanation. The most commonly accepted explanation for the Deering is that the crew mutinied while sailing. I don't know how much sense that makes. I don't I don't feel like there would be more evidence of mutiny if that's what they did. Yeah, why wouldn't anyone survive if it was mutiny? There would be signs of a struggle besides the steering equipment. Because the steering if you get into an accident in a boat and like the directions are off your and there's rough weather, the steering equipment's equipment's gonna be damaged. Right. But if you like mutinied 
I'm pretty sure I'd find some other evidence there. And you'd probably find a dead body because I'm pretty sure somebody would die. And <laughs> even mutiny. if you did mutiny, you would still need to know where the hell you're going. Right. So that doesn't make any sense. And again, that's what the research says. Like, this doesn't explain how the crew managed to vanish. Where could they have gone? Why did they never resurface? If they left, they would have gone somewhere. They never came back. So many people, of course, think that it's because of the proximity to the Bermuda Triangle. But of course, authorities aren't going to say yes to this. They scoff off this theory. And they basically, this was investigated by a lot of people, including the U.S. government, who instead of just admitting that there's some crazy fucking shit called the Bermuda Triangle, decided that it was either piracy, a hurricane, a Russian or communist piracy, or just an unexplainable paranormal event. You'd rather think it was an unexplainable paranormal event than just admit that the Bermuda Triangle might exist. You know what it is? The government can't let people know about That they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Right. They're humans, but we act like they're the answers to everything, but they're just a bunch of smart individuals trying to figure it out. And when things don't make sense they don't want to tell people i don't know there has to be an explanation so they'll come up with whatever even if it's illogical even if it doesn't make any sense even if, even if the answer is unexplained away. but they don't want it i think they just don't want to admit that they don't know what's in the Bermuda triangle and that they're scared to him because i think once you blame something you have to investigate it if you can say it's unexplained paranormal activity obviously you can't look into it they're not going to look into too much of the piracy because mm-hmm. you know they're pirates they disappeared if you say hey it's the Bermuda triangle people are going to expect you to figure out what's going on there and they're probably scared themselves like i'm not going into and this shit. Know they're going to want to figure out what it is they're going to want a solution to their problem how can you tell people hey you're going to have to fly over this and there's a chance right. you might not live you know because there's That's... people who go through the Bermuda Triangle just fine, and then just, just there's just a lot that don't. So it's like, who's going to risk that? Who they're going to say, hey, you 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 experiment. Nobody's going to want to do it, so they would rather. Or they're going to demand a hell of a lot more of a higher salary, which I can't blame them. Right, so. but I just like I guess if you wanted to think that you know there was an accident and they went overboard, if you went overboard, you don't really like if it was sudden. And you just like went overboard. Why were only two of the light bulbs missing? Who has time? To- I'm telling you right now, if I'm trying to escape from something, the last thing I'm thinking of is grabbing the logbook. Mm-hmm. Why the hell would I grab the logbook? If all the sails were up, I know that there's distress signals and there's certain things you can do to try to catch attention. And I feel like that would have been done if they had gotten into some bad weather. But you don't just not send any distress signal and you're just all, all of you are missing. And then nothing turns up ever. It just doesn't make any sense. And I feel like pirates are pretty open about their shit and probably would have made sure you knew it was them. And then they like a hurricane. And I'm like, well, we know there was a, it could have been, but I'm pretty sure you would have known. And you would have called a distress signal. People call distress signals on their way down just to let people know what goes on. You don't grab two lifeboats, the logbook, and that's it. And no distress, no mayday, no nothing. That's fucking creepy. These are some of the cases I found on... I mean, there's a lot. Trust me, I could have. Pro- I could probably dedicate an entire podcast to mass disappearances. There were so many. I actually think there is one called disappearance, but I mean, mass yeah. I don't know about. It's but. just there were so many, but these were the ones that I found intriguing just because I like when there's not really an explanation for it because sometimes I really believe that there's just no explanation for things and that's just what it is. And that's perfect to go into our who does that because this is an unexplainable (laughs) event that this person has experienced and I thought it was really hilarious. So let's lighten the mood here, shall we? Who does that? Who does that? Who does that? Who who does that? Okay, so via bostonglobe.com. Someone broke into his house, but they didn't take anything. They just cleaned it. Why did these things never 
never happened to me. I wish someone would break into my house to clean. Anyone wants to clean top to bottom, I will leave the door open for you. Let's I'll unlock it, it and I'll leave you some food. There you, you go. You like pizza? I'll order you a pizza. BostonGlobe.com. When Nate Roman came home from work on May 15th, he could tell that a stranger had been in his house. Roman, 44, lives in a single-family home on a typical suburban tree-lined street in Marlboro. He said it's possible that he forgot to lock his back door because whoever entered his house didn't break anything to gain entry. But here's the strange part. Whoever entered into his home didn't take anything. They just thoroughly cleaned his house. Roman looked around and saw that they had neatly made the beds, vacuumed the rugs, and scrubbed the toilets. Dude, he scrubbed the toilet? Or she. They even crafted ornate origami roses on the toilet paper rolls in his bathrooms, he said. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. Every room in his house was clean except for the kitchen, which that is an extra fee to be fair. So even crazy people that want to break into your house and don't want to clean your kitchen. And scrub your toilet. Don't want to clean your fucking kitchen. What does that tell you about kitchens, huh? Anyway. Ornate. Right? He thought the whole thing was, quote, weird and creepy and reported the incident to police. Marlboro Police Sergeant Daniel Campbell said the police hasn't heard of any other situation like this one. I would bet not. Honestly, if someone did that to me, I probably wouldn't report it. This guy probably, this person probably did this I would have taken pictures and been like, whoever did this, thank, thank you. you. Quote, we have not received any reports similar to this in our other locations, and we have no suspects at the time, Campbell said. Roman said he still doesn't know who did it. The best theory he can come up with is that a housekeeping service mistakenly went to the wrong address and showed up at his house. Quote, it's funny now, but didn't feel funny at the time, Roman said. I kept the toilet paper roses as souvenirs. <laughs> That's really Or maybe awesome, it's Roman. someone in your life who thinks that you're a dirtbag and thinks you really need your house cleaned. Or maybe it was someone that intended to take something and he was just so dirty that they felt that they need to clean. Either way, I think you should be a little grateful because they left you art. I like to believe that it was an old maid with dementia who, who just, just wandered into a home and started like, hey, cleaning. I'm going to clean and I'm going to leave you a cute little That was literally my first thought when I finished <laughs> that when I was looking for this. I was like, I'm going to believe that it's this sweet little old lady who, who has dementia and just saw an open door and was like, oh, messy home. And like her motor skills. When you do something over. your whole life, you just kind of take over. Except the kitchen because that's an extra fee. That's what I want to believe. And I think you should just be a little bit grateful because now you don't have to do any of that stuff. And you got origami roses out of it. Yeah. I also want to know how they did that out of toilet paper. There's Yo, people can make crazy things. I've made origami paper, out of regular paper, but out of toilet out of paper? Towels, out of sheets. I mean, I've seen some crazy skills. I can't fold my towels properly, so I can't even imagine origami towels or toilet paper, but that's just me. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please continue listening. Leave us a review, comment, email us, suggest a case, contact Please subscribe, us. and feel free to check us out on social media. And most importantly, stay weird, Americas. Bye. Bye.